0: We've just read from Luke. Um, Luke is written by Luke. Uh, He wrote two books of the Bible. Uh, He wrote Luke and then he wrote Acts, which is part two. Acts is the book that we're about to jump into now. So if you want to turn your Bibles to Acts chapter one, we're about to delve into a new series on Acts. So this is part two of Luke's uh, book, uh, which we now call sort of Luke-Acts. He split up into two because there's only so much you can fit on 30 feet worth of scroll. And we have the second... Oh, thank you. (laughs) Awesome. So Tamar has just read of um, Jesus after his resurrection, um, appearing to his disciples and beginning to teach them. And we're going to pick it up from there. So read with me in Acts. We're going to read from verse... 1 through to verse 11. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Oh, sorry. Yes, no, I have. I will just, sorry. Began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given command through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. To them he presented himself alive after his suffering by many proofs Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up. And a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And we're going to leave it there. Leave your Bibles open. Uh, We're going to dig in there in just a second. Let's pray just as we do for the Holy Spirit's guidance. Father God, thank you that we are here today. Thank you that you've given us the book of Acts. Uh, This is an exciting book. It's full of all sorts of amazing things that we can read about. Thank you that we can read about you in particular and the way that you work in and through your church. We pray this morning that your spirit would be with us, that he would teach us about who you are, that he would equip us for the work that you would have us do, that he would change our hearts and make us more like our Savior every single day. We we'll pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I wanted to begin by asking you a rhetorical question. Uh, you don't have to answer this question, but I wondered what do you think the church is here for? What's the church here for? You've all come along here this morning. Uh, you form the church. Why? Why have you come? What's it about? What's your purpose? Why do we do all the stuff that we do? Why do we work so hard at it every week? Many of you work really, really hard. What's the purpose behind the church? The Bible gives us actually quite a few purposes um, for the church, and one of them is found in our passage today. And I want to let you know what we're on about first up, Uh, this part of the Bible, we find out that the church is commissioned to be witnesses of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what we're talking about this morning. The church is commissioned to do something, to be something, and that is to be witnesses of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what we're talking about this morning. We're going to deal with that in two different points uh, to help us understand why we're here and what we're to do. And the first one is just to, to think about what it means to be commissioned to be witnesses of Jesus. And as Tamar has just read, um, Jesus has just died and resurrected. That's setting the scene for what we've read in Acts. He's just died and resurrected. It's a massive claim. It's a huge thing to see. And to understand, imagine those apostles, as they've just seen over the past forty days, a man who died, have come back to life and be walking among them, teaching them and spending time with them. He the risen Jesus appears to his closest disciples, and he says to them in at the end of Luke, that it is written, the Bible has previously said that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed. In God's name, to all nations. That's what he said. This is what's going to happen. It's been written. And in verse 3 of Acts, Jesus has been speaking about the kingdom of God. He tells them to wait for the Holy Spirit. And the risen Jesus gets his people together on Mount Olivet. We find out they're just outside the city of Jerusalem. And it must seem with all this talk of, of preaching and the kingdom of God, that something big is about to happen. There they are with Jesus on the Mount, Mount Olivet. Something big must be about to happen. There's a, there's a kingdom that needs to be established, God's kingdom. And you remember uh, Jesus has talked about that kingdom as a mustard seed. Do you remember that? A mustard seed, something that starts out as the tiniest of seeds they had at the time. Tiny, tiny seed. And it's insignificant. It's nothing. It starts out small and you plant it in the ground and before too long it becomes the biggest tree that there is and it gives shade to the field and it stretches out its branches over the place. And this is the kingdom of God. That's, that's what it's supposed to be like. And here they are with Jesus, the risen Jesus, standing on Mount Olivet. Something big's about to happen, right? And it seems like the man claiming to be the son of God would be a good candidate to kick off this kingdom, wouldn't it? He'd be a good one to do the proclaiming that he's just talked about of the, the message of repentance and forgiveness to all the nations. He'd be a good guy for that job. When you talk about uh, the kingdom, he'd make the, the, the chosen one of God, the Messiah of God, would make a great king of this kingdom, wouldn't he? And the disciples are excited in verse 6, and they say, is now the time. Jesus, is now the time when we're standing here for the good old days to return. They say, is now when Israel, a Jewish nation, will get its lines of kings back? We've had them, they've been missing for hundreds of years. Are we going to get them back now? Are we about to turn around and walk back into Jerusalem behind us and kick out the Romans and make our nation a great and godly nation again? Is that now? We've got our shoes on, Jesus. Let's go. Let's get it done. And Jesus gives them what must have been, to their ears, a slightly strange answer. And then he leaves. He's gone. He's out of sight, not coming back. He's gone. Which is a little strange, isn't it? Because the first verses of the book we're just reading are that the last book was about what Jesus began to do and teach. And it seems like this next chapter must be about what Jesus is going to continue to do and teach. But Jesus has left. How confusing. How is Jesus going to do that if he leaves? And here we find out that Jesus does it through the church. That's how he continues to act in this world through the church. The church has been commissioned here. This is the second half of verse eight. You will be, Jesus says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It's going to start out in Jerusalem. It's going to move out to Judea, Samaria and go to the ends of the earth. And you guys are going to be the people to do it. And he's not just talking to anyone here. These aren't just a random group of people. These are the 11 disciples. They're the church. That's who Jesus is talking to. Here are the apostles. They're Jesus' chosen disciples. They've chosen to continue on for Jesus in the task of being fishers of men, makers of disciples, leaders of the church. In fact, that's what this book is all about, the book of Acts. It's about the commissioned church going about its business on behalf of Jesus. Commissioned to be witnesses. Witnesses of what? Witnesses of the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. Witnesses that he is the Son of God, he's God himself. Witnesses that he's also the son of man, the perfect man, completely man, more man than we are. He's the saviour, he's God's chosen Messiah, the anointed king of the kingdom. Now witnesses come in two different varieties, don't they? Um, I don't know if you've noticed this, but... You've been witnesses of a whole bunch of stuff this morning. Me too. Um, I woke up this morning and I witnessed a bunch of stuff. I witnessed our dog eating its breakfast. I witnessed my wife eating her breakfast. I witnessed some cars driving down the side of the road to me, on, uh, going the other way. None of these things are. I mean, they're all. I've witnessed them all. But I'm passive in all of them. I don't have to do anything about it. There's another type of witness, uh, an active witness. You get this in the in a court of law. So this is someone who's seen something important, something meaningful, something that's going to affect people's lives, and he is called not just to witness it and take it in, but to speak about it, to tell people what has happened, so that other people understand, and so that it can change the course of someone or a group of people's life. That's the type of witness we're called to be. We've witnessed, we've known, we've experienced something that's not just a dog eating its breakfast, it's something important and something meaningful for the whole world. And we've been commissioned by the Son of God, our Saviour, to go out and be active witnesses to the world about what we have experienced, who we have met and what he has done for us. We're witnesses of the life, death and resurrection of Jesus. Now, we're witnesses in a couple of different ways. We're witnesses to each other, aren't we? Um, Sunday mornings. That's what I'm doing now. I'm witnessing to you about my knowledge, my experience, what the Bible says about who Jesus is. We do that now. We do it in community groups to each other. We meet throughout the week and we witness to each other, encouraging one another and preparing each other for the world. We do it throughout the week, maybe on Messenger. Messenger or with a text message, or a phone call. We encourage one another, support one another, pray for each other. We witness to each other. But we also witness to the world, don't we? That's what we're going to open up now. We, we witness to our little corner of it and beyond. Uh, Jesus says that the witnesses are going to go to the ends of the earth. This is the story of Acts. Jesus' church starts in Jerusalem and, and grows out. It's even grown out as far as Armstrong Creek. Can you imagine the disciples picturing this in their minds? I mean, hasn't the gospel, the good news of Jesus, truly gone out to the ends of the world? Here in Geelong, how much further from the Middle East, uh, from the Middle East could you be, from the, you know, the edge of the Mediterranean? We are miles away. Miles doesn't cut it, does it? We are the ends of the earth, the gospel has reached here, and we are called to be witnesses here. Now, I'm conscious, as soon as we start talking about witness, it gets pretty scary, doesn't it? Um, Evangelism is one of those words that scares even the strongest Christian and makes them tremble a little bit with fear. I want to take some weight off you this morning... And I also want to put some weight on you. Okay, we're going to open up what witness looks like. I've said before that I don't think everybody is an evangelist. I think you'll agree with me on that. Not everyone is an evangelist. Um, an evangelist, An evangelist is kind of that person who God has particularly gifted and empowered for the work of witness they're particularly gifted at sharing Jesus in a beautiful and an attractive way. With dozens of people, it seems, all at the same time, constantly having attractive, deep conversations with people about uh, the gospel, people inside the church and outside the church about Jesus. It's not the job of every single person in the church (coughs) to go out to meet people, to give them a clear picture of Jesus and tell them who he is and what he's done and answer all of their deep questions beautifully and correctly, to see them come to faith, to nurture that new faith, to grow them into firm, mature believers and encourage them into leadership and mission in the church. That's not the job of every single Christian. That's a job that's a little bit too big. And I want to let you know that. We're not expecting you to do all of that. It's the church as a whole that has been commissioned. So it's the church that acts as a whole in order to do this. Okay, so I want to take a bit of weight off you there. We don't all have to do all of it. Uh, This is how it works at The Hub. This is how we've planned things over the years. We believe that we all have different roles. You might not be an evangelist. But maybe you're someone who intentionally gathers friends around them and brings them along to things. Maybe the church service, maybe um, an Introducing God, maybe community group. Maybe you're the person who's gifted at answering those hard questions well. Maybe you've been gifted with a house that can fit a community group in it. Maybe you're the community group leader who brings people to maturity. Maybe you're the person who works hard behind the scenes to make evangelistic events and services run. Maybe you're the person who does a large part of the funding of this mission, funding the work of the church. Maybe you think strategically and can deeply invest in planning and leading the church. Maybe you're a parent who can live life in a playgroup filled with people you can be a witness to Jesus to. Now the reality is, is that we're all at least one of these and many of us are more than one. It's not pick one and only do that one. It's be part of the church that does all of them together. It's find where your gifting is and be a witness in that way intentionally for the Lord Jesus. The reality is, is that we, well is it I think there's a minimum standard as well. We all live in this world. We all work amongst non-Christians. We all have clubs or forums or other interest groups that we're part of. That's what a minimum looks like. This is what we ask every believer at the Hub to be doing. To each of us in our life be intentional about meeting people about being open with our faith and our love for Jesus, be open about what we're doing with our lives and to invite people along to participate in the church in one way or another. Okay, that's the minimum and it's all achievable. You don't have to answer all their questions. You don't have to grow them to maturity, you don't have to get them across the line, you don't have to run an introducing God, but we're asking you, and I think Scripture, Jesus commissions us all to be in the world, to meet people, and to bring them along to stuff like a Sunday service, a community group, an introducing God, a Christmas event, an Easter event, our community groups. And then, use the rest of the church to continue to be witnesses That's our first point. We've been commissioned to be witnesses of Jesus. And my second point is that we don't have to do this alone. <laughs> we're empowered to witness as well. We're commissioned to witness and we're also empowered to witness. Jesus says in the first half of verse A that the Holy Spirit's going to be with us. Read it there. You will receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, you will receive power. This is the promise of God. The promise of the Father was given in Joel. It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. In Isaiah 44, I will pour out water on a thirsty land. I will pour my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing upon your descendants This one will say, I am the Lord's. Another will call on the name of Jacob and another will write on his hand, the Lord's. And name himself by the name of Israel. That's what it's going to look like one day God promised. And Jesus is saying, that is now. He says the Holy Spirit bestows power. The good news is we don't do it alone. God has given us Himself, the Spirit of God, to live in us and empower us for the work that we do. He's the power source behind the church's commission. I wonder if you thought about power sources um, lately. I'm an ex-electrician, so power sources are kind of my thing. Um, Maybe... uh, if you're not quite the youngest people in the church you'll remember uh, when you used to ride your bike home at night you used to get a little bike light and it was powered by a little or little a thing about this big that used to clamp onto the side of your wheel and had a little wheel it would latch onto your front wheel and your front wheel of your bike would would spin this little dynamo and power this incredibly dull light. And it would take all the energy you had to ride along the road and you'd be exhausted by the end of it all for the sake of this little bit of light. You were the power source of that light on the front. If you wanted light on the way home, it was you. That's how it worked. Um, These lights have a power source too, though. Uh, It's a bit bigger than a bunch of dudes on a bike (laughs) off somewhere. Um, I've actually stood in front of one of these power sources before, a, a small one. It's a turbine that filled a room about this size, just a baby one, weighed several, I don't know, many tons and spun at about 12,000 RPM. And it was just this enormous thing, powering the lights of Geelong, actually down in Anglesey, churning out power for the use of people in their lives. And that's what the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is this turbine, this dynamo, empowering the work of witness in the church, empowering the people of God. So how does the Holy Spirit empower us to witness? I'm going to go through quickly a few things. I'm conscious of time. We're going to go through them quickly. First up, I'm going to um, talk about the elephant in the room. Well, I'm not. I'm going to address the elephant in the room and say we'll talk about it another time. The special gifts of the church, the miraculous gifts that were part of the, um, part of the story of Acts. are there. Um, miracles, amazing um, events happening. Those are one of the ways in which the church has been empowered in order to witness. We're going to open that up in coming weeks. We're not going to do it now. But there's a few others. Sanctification is is a word that we use talking about personal spiritual growth in holiness. That's what sanctification is. And sanctification is the empowering of the Holy Spirit for us to witness. We witness Jesus when we are holy, loving, and compassionate people. That's when we are great witnesses of Jesus. That's one of the ways in which the Holy Spirit empowers us. Love is a particular category, isn't it? That God highlights about himself, that Jesus says is is a main characteristic of God the Holy Spirit, as he works in you and changes you to love more, to be more like him, is empowering you to be a witness of Jesus, the Son of God. Are you growing in love? Not only does he sanctify us, he helps us to know Jesus so we can share who we know. We can't witness what we don't know, can we? What we haven't seen, what we haven't experienced. If you want to describe a criminal to the police, to the sketch artist guy, you're going to have to have had a really good long look at him, aren't you? You're going to have to think about what he looks like so that you can describe it to someone. How are you going to be a witness to Jesus if you don't know Jesus? If you want to know Jesus, the Holy Spirit's going to empower you to know him. (coughs) He's going to form a relationship between you and Him. And He's going to deepen that relationship and grow it. So I've got to ask you, do you know your Savior? Do you know who you're called to be a witness to? The Holy Spirit also prompts us to action. I wonder uh, how many times has God, through the Spirit, called you to do something, called you to say something, called you to take a moment to listen to someone have you listened to the Spirit's prompting is that something you're aware of is that something you're seeking is that something you're praying for to be empowered by the Holy Spirit and prompted by him in order to witness lastly and I'm not being exhaustive here the Holy Spirit prepares the way for us this is a beautiful thing because we can't do this ourselves. The work of saving someone is not yours. You're called to be a witness, and that's it. God's Spirit is what opens a person's heart. He does the work of renewal. Ezekiel 36 puts it like this. God speaks. He says, I will give you a new heart, and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. A chapter later, he says, I will put my spirit within you and you shall live. Maybe more simply in John 6, Jesus says, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. So the spirit goes ahead of us to prepare the way. The Holy Spirit empowers the witness of the church. Now I want to highlight a foundational principle here and this is going to help us understand the Holy Spirit and it's going to help us understand the book of Acts as well. Okay, the Holy Spirit is not a gift for you. Maybe that's surprising for you. The Holy Spirit is not a gift for you. He is a gift for the church. The Holy Spirit is not primarily here for you. He's not here for your mission, your comfort, or your blessing. He's here for the building of Jesus' church. He's here to empower us to be witnesses of him. He's here to go ahead of us and change people's hearts, to prepare the way for the word of the Lord. Now, don't get me wrong... As Jesus builds his church, he will also build up its people. So he will encourage you, he will comfort you, and he will bless you. But that encouragement, that comfort and blessing is likely to look very different than you might ask for. He's probably not going to encourage you by saying this. You're worth it. You're amazing. You can do anything you want but he's going to say something more along the lines of, Jesus is worth it. He's amazing. Through him and through his spirit, you can do anything I want. He will comfort you, but probably not with a comfortable life. He'll say, life's hard, but I'm with you. There's not always hope in this world, but there is hope with me. He'll say, I'm enough for you. You can get up and serve me one more day because there is rest to come. He will bless you, but probably not with great wealth and maybe not health either. He'll bless you with spiritual and personal growth so that you can bless the church. He'll give you gifts and talents so that you can use them for the kingdom. If he does give you money or possessions or power, it will be so that you can use them to further his kingdom, to empower his people, to empower the church to be greater witnesses to Jesus. So I want to ask you, How do you view the Holy Spirit? How do you view His empowerment? Is the Holy Spirit a vending machine? Just to dispense stuff, junk, as you want it? Or is He there to bless Jesus, to bless the church? What do you pray for? We've just heard we're commissioned to be witnesses of Jesus Christ. Are you still praying for comfort? and ease and wealth or you're praying that you might be used in this task of witness are you praying that the holy spirit would be indwelling your life and your heart in such a way that jesus just constantly comes pouring out of you whatever you do wherever you are whoever you meet are you praying for opportunities to to speak about this stuff are you praying for non-christians to come into your life into the church into your community group Are you praying to be able to serve them and love them and care for them and speak to them? Is this what we're about as a church? I asked the question at the beginning. What are we about? And witness isn't the only thing we're about, but it's a massive part of what we're about. We're called to witness to each other and to people to the ends of the earth about our risen Lord Jesus Christ. Is that what you're praying for? If you're not good at it, is that what you're praying to get good at doing? Are we regularly praying and hoping and dreaming about the work of the Holy Spirit through us here in Armstrong Creek? Because that's what Jesus has commissioned us to do and it's what he'll empower us to do. We're going to pray now for that. We're going to ask for God to do those things through his Spirit in us. Let's do that. Father God, uh, what a purpose you have given the church. What a task you have given us. It might be a hard task, but it is a beautiful task. Witnessing Jesus to the ends of the earth. Lord, we want to do this. We want to be great at it. We want to fulfill this commission well here at the Hub We want to be empowered by your Holy Spirit in spectacular ways to do this here in the suburbs around us. Lord, we ask for your Spirit's power, his power to change our hearts and and desire to be witnesses, his power so that we can be more holy, more beautiful, more righteous and and look more like Jesus. His power to know what to say and when to say it, his power to, to follow his prompting his power to know Jesus, our Savior, more and more so that we truly can be witnesses of a beautiful King. Lord, we we pray earnestly now, asking for the Holy Spirit's presence at the heart. We know that he lives in every single one of us, but we pray that he would burn in every single one of us, empowering us for the work that you have called us to do. Maybe we pray that as we continue to go through acts, that you would place on our hearts an earnest desire to fulfill the task you've given us. Please be with us, Lord, as a church. Help us to serve you and glorify you as witnesses in Armstrong Creek. For your glory, Lord. Amen.